Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Give it a try today. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget, to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I am here in Virginia at a restaurant. I have no idea what the name of this restaurant is. It's Sino's, I think is what it's called. It looks to be incredible food from the Far East that we're going to be experiencing together today. I have some of the band members of Brothers McClurg here with me today, and we are going to have a great conversation together, so I hope you can buckle your safety belts and get ready. Because it's going to come at you hot and fast, like General So's chicken or something, because that's what I ordered. So if, if you hear in the midst of this conversation an inordinate, inordinate amount of what seems like us being served food, it's because we're being served food. Extra hot. Yeah. Extra, extra hot. Extra hot. Extra, extra hot food. So, right. And here's the first of it. The soup's coming. So, yes. <laughs> so um, we'll do introductions in just a moment here. They are literally putting our food on the table at this time. Thank you. So we're coming to you right now actually from the National Worship Leader Conference in Virginia, and we've been having a good couple days here together. Uh, tonight, the Brothers McClure are going to be playing in the service, and we've just had a fun time over the last excuse me, couple days getting able to, to hang out, talk about music, talk about recording um, together in the future. And they have a new... Um, a new project that I want to talk about today on the Voices in My Head podcast. But before we do, let's introduce everybody. So uh, if you would, Chris, let's start with you. Tell them who you are, and then we'll go around the table real fast so everybody can know who you are. So I'm Chris, and I um, I play, I attempt to play acoustic guitar. <laughs> I would like to say that, you know, you know, when Bob Dylan said all you need is three chords and the truth, but... Not quite as good at writing as Bob Dylan, but I can still <laughs> play the three chord part. Um, so do that pretty well. Uh, write songs, uh, produce records at our studio uh, in Batavia, New York, and um, just out here having a good time. All right, very good. And did you tell him your last name? I'm Chris. I'm Hoisington. Chris Hoisington. Oh. All right, very good. And next, the banjo player extraordinaire. Ooh, hi, hi. My name is Sean Patrick, and uh, I'm from Canada, and I play the banjo. All right. Nice to be here with you. Very good. Thanks for being here. 
And to my left, I'm Kevin Bish, uh, play bass and brothers and uh, drive the van and eat Chinese food and hang out with <laughs> this guy, Rick Lee, just having a great time. <laughs> all right. So that's the end of the podcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I hope you enjoyed all that we shared. Now, um, I actually last night had the opportunity to, to hang out with these guys a little bit, and Paul Balash was there, and we had a, a beautiful liturgy was there. I mean, it was just kind of this room of, um, let's just call it a who's who of worship music was all together last night. And at the end of our time together, um, Chris came in with this stack of CDs for all of us. And there's this new uh, four-song EP that you guys have out, and it's called um, Low and... The uh, Low and Behold. The Low and Behold, yeah. Sorry, my my mind blanked for just a second. And I just got to preview it this morning. I really like it a lot. Uh, In your own words, tell us, though, about it. I mean, where did it come from? What kind of sound were you hoping to achieve? Um, Yeah, so... The Lo and Behold is kind of a, a it's a Brothers McClurg, along with a friend of ours named Anthony Skinner. Anthony Skinner is a guy that we've co-written with on, on different albums, um, and just kind of built a relationship with him over the last probably five years. And we wrote really, we could write really well together, and um, we were coming off uh, the stage at a festival a couple of years ago, and... Um, that he that we had played together at, and I said, "Man, we should we should do a record together. This yeah. is re- there's really good chemistry here." And so, and he was like, "Yeah, man." And then you know we uh, started writing some songs together for this record and t- and talking about what kind of we would want it to kind of sound like, you know. And I guess to me, it kind of has a little bit of a Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young feel. Um, I wouldn't say it's as gospel-y as Brothers McClure gets, mm-hmm. uh, as far as bluegrass and all that other stuff, but um, kind of hints at some of that. Mm-hmm. And um, also, you know, modern worship music. And um, so we all listen to lots of different music. Um, we all love kind of the old classic sounds, but also making it feel new and fresh. And mm-hmm. So the idea was to start this band and let's make records together under a different name that we can kind of utilize. Uh, like, we're already talking about doing another one that's probably going to be a little bit more uh, uh, electric uh, than this one is. This one's mm-hmm. kind of acoustic, very acoustic guitar-driven uh, and vocally-driven. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're releasing them in four-song increments. So this has four tunes on it, and then we'll release the next four and. Uh, a few months. Uh, actually, the general public isn't going to probably hear it until it's not coming out on iTunes and that for a couple months. No. But we wanted to have it for a worship leader to kind of like have something on our table, yeah, so people could hear it and kind of get a feel for what we're doing. And um, so far, the response has been really interesting. Uh, the, the way people reacted to it, and even some of our peers uh, that are in the music industry. Um, and so we're kind of following our hearts with it mm-hmm. and hoping that people will get it mm-hmm. and not hear it and go, you know, not get it, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, we're always walking the line between worship and artistry. Right. And trying to, I think Brothers McClurg has always kind of walked the edge of that line. 
Mm-hmm. And I think there's other guys like Phil Kagi that have walked that line where yeah, it's pretty musical, um, but it's also there are moments of worship within that sure. where you can congregationally sing along. Yeah. And um, so it's kind um, of a yeah. I'm, go ahead. I'm gonna interrupt you just to say because we're. Oh, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, well, and when you say worship and you follow it up by saying congregational worship there, because sometimes um, that's two different things when we're talking about it, because a lot of people will say, well, it's all worship, you know, it's all an, an act of worship. But it, it, it is a tricky thing when you're trying to write for a like, specific group of people, a congregation right. who's going to meet together. And, uh, and we were talking a little bit in the van this morning as we were riding around about like different churches and the different people that congregate there and the different feel and vibe sort of of thank you the people who meet together and so it's kind of a daunting task to not only write but try to write when you're keeping in mind how do I have a music or a message that's going to help these people that I'm going to be together with worship together and I don't know if you remember exactly what you said yesterday and you don't have to even say it the same way but when we were having lunch yesterday you were talking about um, one of the best ways we can serve as worship artists is not so much to try to customize everything to fit a congregation but to be authentically who we are as artists too would you sure. would you mind elaborating a little bit on, on some of that thought yeah yeah so I guess the greatest example would be um we're putting out a song right now called Waymaker that's going to be kind of the, the song that's going to go to radio for this record. Mm-hmm. And the first line of the song says, Old Isaiah said it first, mm-hmm. and John repeated the verse, Make a way, make straight away. Right. And um, that to me is a pretty singer-songwriter line. Mm-hmm. Like it's got Dylan... It's got it's got something to it, but what I like about it is that it pulls you in because it's not typical. Yeah, and it causes you to go, oh, I want to know what is coming next. You know, then when it by the time it hits the chorus, you're just saying you can make a way, you can make a way. You are the waymaker. Yeah. We lift our eyes up. We lift our eyes up to the waymaker. So all of a sudden, it lifts up to this place of looking up from where your help comes from, looking up in a worshipful sense. Yeah. So for me, the worship writers that I kind of are drawn in by are guys that have the ability to be themselves in the verses, mm-hmm. where you're in, you're almost in the valley in the verses. You're talking about the struggle. You're talking about what's brought you to this place, mm-hmm. and you're reaching out to people in a way that's authentic and it mm-hmm. doesn't sound typical. Yeah. And then it hits the chorus and it goes to a place of praise. Yeah. But you've earned the right at that point to sing something really simple. Hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I love I love simplicity in songs like a doxology, but that was kind of a different time mm-hmm. than where we're living now. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, simplicity is always good. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just saying personal preference. I'm drawn in by guys that can almost be singer-songwriters in the verses mm-hmm. and more corporate in the, in the choruses. Okay. You know, so a song like You Shine Through, mm-hmm. it gets to the chorus. It's like yeah. through the cracks in all of us, through our fractures in the dust, you shine through. Yeah. In the darkness, you're the dawn. Or hem, you know, like yeah. we reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Mm-hmm. We reach. So all of a sudden I'm going from my personal thing to like, hey, everybody, if you agree with me, just like a pastor would get people to say amen in a sermon. Mm-hmm. Sing along. 
Yeah. And I know that that's not really a congregational approach that everybody can resonate with. Um, but the problem is for me, because I'm so inundated by so many worship songs, mm-hmm. that I hear it so much that it's hard sometimes not to be um, cynical a little bit or a little yeah. jaded. So I have to find things that are going to draw me in. And yeah. so I kind of write out of that spot of like trying to appeal to people that maybe have this, a musical sensibility that I have, mm-hmm. which maybe they would, there are people that really love music and love, you know, and they're, it, but the beautiful thing about being a Christian is that's what separates us. Mm-hmm. Worship is what separates us from any other, reli- you know, the, the style. Yeah. And so I think that in five years, worship is really going to become the thing in Christian music. You see all the artists now doing their worship albums, Casting Crowns and Newsboys, and cashing in on that yeah. that idea. And I think if they can, if we can kind of continue to adapt that idea, mm-hmm. where uh, you know we can be artists, but yet we're authentically leading in worship mm-hmm. ourselves. And I think of guys like John Mark McMillan that you know are pretty like. Uh, singer-songwriter in the way he approaches things, but he has choruses that are very anthemic. Yeah. So I think that like that idea can be explored more uh, in cor- in the corporate world, yeah. uh, you know. And so that's kind of that's a long answer to what you yeah. said, but I I don't know if I don't know if Paul Balash or other guys would approach it the way I'm saying it. Yeah. But to me, I've kind of analyzed it to a point where, for at least what I kind of appreciate is yeah. singer-songwriter draw me in mm-hmm. like don't start with some typical worship line that's yeah. like okay I've heard that a thousand times before praise him praise him yeah you. no that's fine but yeah. it sounds better coming in the middle of the set right when people are already there emotionally mm-hmm. and they just want something simple to say yeah they don't need you at that point to you know yeah. and that might take away some of the need to have to stand up there like I watched a couple guys do it last night where Kind of like be a you know we're trying to be like a Richard Simmons in worship where you're trying to hype people into that spot. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like if the music is good, you're not referring to me, are you? Not at all. Okay, good. But I'm saying I was like, up there last night. I'm scared. Yeah, no, about you did me, good, man. <laughs> no, there was, and I can relate to that because right. I get that way sometimes right. too. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I feel like if your personality is strong enough, yeah, that's going to cause people to stop for sure. a second and go, whoa. Yeah. And then they feel the heart of it, and they know you're not just trying to dupe them into a worshipful place. Yeah. They're like, he's leading out of a very genuine place. Yeah. He's not trying to force me to sing along. Yeah. Well, I know. Know, I've heard people. Uh, I've heard people ask me this question before. Like, what is it about worship leaders that they they suddenly get the worship leader voice when they start talking? You know, on the platform. But I don't know how exactly to describe it. But it's just like. Uh, it said because they don't talk that way conversationally, and it sounds weird when they get a oh come on everybody you know it's like yeah. it's, it's like a different type of thing and and so it's it's interesting to me that because I think we do want to strive for what that means and authenticity as artists and um, I had uh, 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 David and Leslie from All Sons and Daughters on the podcast one time and mm-hmm. and, and I, I consider them kind of right on that edge too of sort of like somebody who 
that they were maybe some of the first that I remember seeing trying to like really do creative new different things with music that wasn't sort of cookie cutter but also was going to be for the purpose of helping congregations mm-hmm. use it and it's I, I do think when we when we seek out that uh, that gifting and artistry that we have, there's there's some of it that's going to appeal to some people. It won't appeal to everybody. Right. But we do our best work when we are authentically ourselves, and because we can't do it the way that somebody else did. Um, and I, I love uh, I love you guys, but I can't personally be Brothers McClurg in the way that I do it because I'm just not wired that way. Or I love Paul Galash, but I can't be Paul Galash, and I can't be them. I can only be. Um, I can only be the worshiper I am, you know, in the midst of all of it. And if, and if we hide those things, I think is what I'm hearing you say from this too, if we hide those things that make us distinctly who we are, then we're trying to be an imitation of what we are in that like sort of worship environment. And we serve the church better when we actually are authentically seeking the artistry that we're right. kind of made for, you right. know, in the midst of it. Well, Paul's a good example because I think a lot of writers have tried to write like Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul's Paul, you know. Like, and so sure. any I, when I hear Paul doing it, it's genuine because yeah. it's him. He wasn't really trying to be something else. Sure. You know. Paul, Paul chicken. Then one of his theme was. I got the steam. <laughs> here comes the food, everybody. Exciting radio right here. Yeah. So, so I mean, that I think is a big. That's a big thing. I think the thing you got to remember is with all sons and daughters, and the thing that I think as uh, being kind of a worship philosophy, mm-hmm. pop culture, how the two coincide, mm-hmm. we have to be careful not to... We still have this thing in Christian music where we want to compare it to things that are already working in the mm-hmm. secular world. Thank you. Or out in the general market. You know what I mean? Yeah. So exactly. you have... All sons and daughters, but you also you got to remember when they came out ten month, five months before that, the civil wars blew up. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, you're okay. right. And then Ren Collective, they're amazing. But let's remember Mumford and Sons yeah. came a little before that. It's true. With brothers, like when we go to labels, they don't really know what to do with us because we're doing this old gospel thing. Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah, they, the church did it in the '60s, but no one's really come back around to like popularizing it sure that kind of folk music so i think we're still kind of, we still feel a little alienated because even in the christian world they don't know how to like sell it mm-hmm. even though we'll play live tonight and people will, will get into it yeah but and i'm saying that more from a production producer standpoint yeah to and in, in helping people be themselves we need to try to s- steer away from Excuse that me, yeah uh, things that are trendy just trending and like then we can compare it to something else that's already popular as a producer i'm like i try to stay away from that yeah even though in worship it seems like edm's popular right now so let's do or the 80s are popular so let's do a lot of synth records i love that stuff yeah but like we just did a synth record with a girl that I don't know how people are going to respond to it because it sounds like the more experimental side of the 80s. Yeah. Like New Order and the Smiths and like the underbelly of the 80s underground scene. <laughs> right. When really the stuff that's been popular with, you know, through the synth stuff is more of like the the sounds that were the bigger side of the 80s, you mm-hmm. know? So, but we need to find room. What I'm saying and all that, and I'm not 
all sons and daughters are the, are themselves. I'm not saying that it was them that compared them. Right. I'm just saying that as a if I philosophize and look at culture, mm-hmm. there's a pattern. Sure. So we need to try to break that pattern. Yeah. And not feel like we have to have things to always compare things to. Yeah, I get that. You know, but in the industry, we're still. We only want to use things that we know are working. Yeah. There's a track record for it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm not saying that what I'm saying is 100% accurate, but I do think that there are things in that that are truth that's true, yeah. you know? So. Totally get that. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to have a question for all three of you to answer, because I know that the two of us have been dominating conversation a little bit, but then I also want to... Um, I want you guys to talk a, a little bit about Big Bear Studios and Bear, yeah, our, Bear. I'm sorry, why did I say Big Bear? Old Bear. I mean, I Big old talk, Bear. talk about Bear. talk about some sort of bear, bear that you keep in a studio, and uh, we'll, <laughs> when we come back, because uh, it's a pretty uh, pretty cool thing that a lot of our listeners might want to talk about. So quickly, going to have a break, and um, and we'll be right back. For you, the listeners of Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Personally, I recommend The Hobbit Unabridged by J.R.R. Tolkien. Hours of fun listening to this great classic. And there are over 180,000 titles for you to choose from and to listen to on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash voicesinmyhead. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash voicesinmyhead for your free audiobook. You're going to be glad you did. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head, and keep on listening. Yep. We can rush our butts <laughs> off getting there, and then we can... Well, Someone's already up, and so we sit there for 20 minutes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, hey, welcome back to Voices in My Head, everybody. We're uh, eating our food. We're having our conversation. We're talking about sound check that's coming up. So we're going to have to hurry this podcast along. But question of the week for this week is, real quick, if, we, if you can think of them, best gig, worst gig. And if, if any of you want to answer it, all of you, that's great. But I'd love to hear if you can think of one that went really well and one that you like would rather forget about You know, in, in your past. And you don't have to name the place if you don't want. Yeah. To. yeah. Well, right. Let's let's we can do that. We can just name some names right now. If Protect the innocent. You know. <laughs> just kidding. Well, when I can, uh, Kevin here. When I can think of uh, the best that, and, and, and I'm excited because we're going back there again this summer. Is uh, a few years ago we did a, uh, an old tabernacle at a camp in Ma- uh, Central Massachusetts. Um, an event called the Heart of the Valley, and um, we played in this old wooden tabernacle at this camp. The camp's about a hundred years old, and they were trying to uh, kind of bring it back to life. So they brought us in, and it was just a hot summer day, and uh, it was just a really great time of, uh, of of worship and playing and singing together with um, the people there and and, and the. Is it the Blackstone? Was that what the area is called, Chris? That area of Massachusetts, Black Blackstone Valley, or something. But they called the event was called the Heart of the Valley. But that was just a really great time, and we're going to be back there in um, August uh, this summer. So that's um, really. I thought that was one of the a, a great. 
one of the cooler gigs. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty cool. Just cool. kind of in this old wooden tabernacle, and I think for me the I, it wasn't one of the worst, but it was it was one of the most interesting for me because it was my very first uh, gig with the guys. They asked me to come out and play, mm-hmm. and it was just at a church, and I just didn't know what to expect, and and it was just one of those between the uh, the potluck and the people. And the environment at the church, it wasn't one of the worst, but it was one of the, the more interesting uh, uh, times of worship. And it was it was sweet, it was really good, but the first time I played with the guys about four years ago, it was, uh, you just never know what to expect sometimes when you're on the, when you're on the road with the people you meet. So it wasn't so much that it was terrible, but it was, uh, it was an interesting time. All right. But yeah. Very good. Any other guys have... Best worst you could share? I could take one. Yeah, let's put it over here. You're kind of a soft-spoken person. So <laughs> I like you. Yeah, I mean, I've been really lucky in my musical life to have a lot of great experiences playing. You know, um, so it's harder, I think, to pick out the best gig. You know, I've been yeah. a lot of great experiences. Even even bad gigs. You know, I'm generally pretty happy as long as I'm up there on stage playing in front of a couple people. But there is one that really does stick out in my mind as one of the worst gigs. And I got hired to play banjo in like a pop country group. Like, okay. And I mean, really not very much country, like really kind of poppy. Mm-hmm. We were playing this huge festival. Um, I won't name the festival, but the gig went okay. But I made the horrible mistake of deciding to spend the night and having a couple drinks with the band afterwards. And I just had this moment where I realized I was surrounded by all these people that I had so little in common with in terms of values, attitudes, musical tastes, mm-hmm. and I was stuck there like six hours from home just surrounded by 15,000 people who yeah. just were drinking and acting like fools and yeah. I just I couldn't escape and yeah. it was just a horrible feeling. Yeah. I ended up sleeping in my car and then driving home at four in the morning and I just, uh-huh. I swore, I, was, I, never, I will never do that again. Yeah. Like, I don't, I want to play music that I love doing that yeah. feels right, not just because somebody's going to pay me to do Excuse it. Excuse me. Yeah. Sure. No, that's, that's interesting. It's always tough to be in a place where we're, we're kind of, you know, feeling out of place and, and all that. That's cool. Chris, do you have a best worst? Not not really? The hard question, man. Yeah. We've been... I will say the gigs this year have gotten... I don't know, I could say this for younger musicians that are listening to the podcast. But... Stay with it, be consistent because it does get better. Yeah. You know, and you might be wondering to yourself, how am I going to gain connections to get into these events that I would love to play? Yeah. But just play where you're at, mm-hmm. serve where you're at. And it really is true that, like, I mean, for us, I've seen every year it gets increasingly better. Yeah. And we've been at it for maybe eight years, yeah. like, kind of playing. I've seen a lot of people kind of. Oh no, I'm good. I'm just waving. And so I just think that she's really intense mm-hmm. presence. But, uh, but um, <laughs> listeners have no idea what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, I mean, this year I found that the. The events and the gigs that we're playing, I wouldn't say there's been a bad one. We've had about 100 people at every gig that even were headlining, you know, and to me that's encouraging. That's good. And so, but don't be in a band 
Let me say this. If you're not really sure you want to be in a band in 10 years, don't do it. Because you're, you're clouding the marketplace with too much content. And those of us who actually want to make a living doing this and are willing to literally lay your life down to be in a band or yeah. play music or travel get overlooked sometimes yeah. because there's a, you know 15 million bands on Facebook yeah. So or whatever. So if you're not in it for the long haul, then don't don't really do it because it's kind of there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. I'm just saying that like yeah, just sure. as a word to the wise, like don't don't do something unless like yeah. you're gonna really do it. No, that makes you know what I mean. Sense. I know yeah. you love music, but it, it you know with the industry the way that it is, there's so much going. There's so much, it's over flooded. Yeah, that the people that are actually in it for the long haul, it's like you know we gotta like work that much harder. And I yeah. know it, it's a hustle to it be is. in the in the industry I, right I, now. Yeah, Even in worship, it's a hustle. Yeah. So I mean, it's. It's just something to think about. Yeah. No, those are those are good things to think about. Well, as, as I know we're getting close to our end of our time, I, I don't want to miss out on uh, what I just mispronounced as a defunct grocery chain called Big Bear. Uh, it's actually Old Bear uh, Studios that I want to talk about, which is your recording studio that you have uh, in New York. And it's in Buffalo, New York. And it's sort of... Uh, the more that, the more that I've talked to you about it, it's it's exciting to me because it's, it's not just a recording studio you're really creating a family environment where musicians can come together collectively and make music together but is this where your listeners find out that you're coming up sure they don't know you no they don't know yet i haven't recorded anything so uh, if if all goes well uh if the good lord's willing and the creek don't rise in in november we're gonna shoot for um a, a couple days for me to come up and record at your studio and uh and I, just you know, a couple songs to get started on a new project. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, I, but what I really want the listeners to take from it, uh, although I'm very excited about that, I want you just to tell them a little bit about the studio and sort of your approach at making music there. Because I, I mo- most of us, at least I have, and I'm sure you have, have recorded in places like Nashville or different areas where it's it's almost like get in, get out as fast as you can, and and get it done. Which is fine. There's that's one approach of doing it. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't always lend itself to taking the time to create something that has your own stamp on it all right. the time. So just t- talk a little bit about your studio. The, mo- the mode for me with Old Bear is simple. It's as a producer, I feel like because the market is so flooded, yeah. that the best way to stand out is when you make a record that's unique to you. Mm-hmm. If you're making a record that's just you're just trying to be trending with what's popular, you're going to have a hard time trying to stand out. So really, what we try to do at Old Bear is help artists find their voice mm-hmm. and what feels starkly them, what feels really real to them, mm-hmm. and then create the sounds and the environment around that context. Um, it's been a lot of primarily worship leaders that are like. Hey, I want to be in a studio for ten days mm-hmm. and bang, bang on you know pipes and get sounds and try things, you know. Right. And sometimes when you're a big studio with high level musicians, you have a hard time telling the drummer you want him to go in there and bang on a pipe when he's like, "Really? That's all you want me to do?" And it's like, "Yeah, but we're gonna sync it up in Pro Tools with some stuff and make it really cool." Yeah. And so for me, it's kind of like. If unless you're signed to a major label in Christian music, it's going to be really hard to get discovered because they have major publishers that are pushing their songs through a 10% window mm-hmm. 
that only so many people can get through. Right. So if you're an independent artist, how do you stand out more? Well, you make a record that's you. It isn't like that other guy. So that when people hear it, they're like, wow, that's different, that's cool, that's unique. And so I think with Old Bear, we've kind of discovered, and I, I, I've learned this as a, as a producer and starting a studio, I'm not trying to be a studio that's all things to everybody. I'm trying to, to be a part of a niche. Right. They say when you're starting a studio, find out what you're really good at and just do that. Yeah. Like if you're really good at recording choirs, be the guy that people call to record choirs. If you're really good at, you know, recording hardcore bands or metal bands, be the guy that people call to do that. And for us, I think it's it's thrived upon worship leaders that want to have a little bit more of an artistic vision, like a guy like Phil Kagi, where you're not necessarily beholden to just congregational worship 10 songs through. Not that you don't, you want to have those, but three or four of those mixed in with songs that are about your life and the personal worship that God's taught you too. That's all kind of intermingled. And so I think that's that's how it's thrived. And then we started this thing called Harmonized Sounds that talks about the sounds behind the songs and how we get the sounds. And um, it's gotten quite a bit of buzz because I think there's a lot of worship leaders that are craving that. Do I think that's for everybody? No, I don't. But if you're the kind of person that wants to come and spend time in a studio making music and trying things and you know we have a tape machine there that we record a lot of people we've been recording a lot of people too so I think it's just kind of uh, if any of that sounds great to you then like what we do is would be would fit what you're doing well and I found that there really is a niche for it in Christian music but I think the thing is it hasn't been really carved out yet yeah and no label is really taking the time to say let's figure this out yeah so really a lot of labels are scared because you know everything's on the verge of collapsing right now all yeah. the time and so they don't they can't take any chances they only have to sign things that are a sure thing that they know is a proven track record yeah whereas for me I'm more intrigued by the other side of it of like what could be mm-hmm. worship music is still very much in its infancy as far as styles go. Yeah. You know, we had the 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 monk chant music and we had all these different styles in the sixties and seventies. You had the Jesus movement, which had a, a sound. They were yeah. all getting saved off drugs and yeah. just writing music and they had nothing to reference it by. They weren't trying to like, well, is this kinda like the new casting crowns thing or is it kinda, yeah. you know they just weren't worried about that stuff. Right. And so for us, I think it was that a new frontier, so to speak, for what yeah. they were doing. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I, I feel like that's kind of where what we're ta- what we're tapping into in, in a humble way. Like I'm not saying that we're going to be the change, yeah. but I think we're just trying to follow our hearts with it and kind of like help worship artists. And I find with every artist that has come, they leave feeling so liberated because mm. they feel like they were able to come into themselves a little bit more yeah. and be a little bit more vulnerable and open with that. And, yeah. and you know not overproducing that. Yeah. Because I think that's the problem with with worship or even in church. Sometimes we overproduce. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do, What, yeah. what it's going to be or what it should be or whatever. And um, and that's just, for me, that's just a preference. That's yeah. just what I love. Yeah. And so, I, and I found that there are a lot of people that are in that spot, too. Yeah. You know? 
Well, um, this has been awesome, and hopefully the background noise hasn't drowned out a lot of our conversation, but it's been really good to, to sit with you guys and be able to hear more about what's going on. Uh, I'm excited. In October, the Brothers McClure are coming to my church in Springfield, Ohio, and so we're going to get to do some music together while we're there. And um, then in, hopefully in November, like I said, we're going to do some recording together and, uh, and some more things down the road. But in the meantime, uh, is it brothersmcclurg.com? Brothersmcclurg.com. And all right. then there is uh, harmonizedsounds.com yeah. where you can go and see all the videos that we've yeah. shot from our studio if you're interested in kind of just getting a window into our world. Yes, yeah, definitely go to Harmonize Sounds because they have some really cool documentary-style videos about the process of, of the songs that they're making and the artists that they're working with, and it's really cool. And if you're an artist who's serious about doing this, uh, consider uh, contacting Chris at, at the at the studios because it's it's a it's a, a great place. I'm looking forward to being there. Well, thank all of you. Uh, even though the, the two of us tended to dominate the conversation, I appreciate having all of you here today on The Voice in my head podcast so uh thank you for being the voices in my head this week have you ever thought to yourself man i'd like to host my own podcast well guess what you can go to podbean.com slash voices and get everything you need to create manage and promote your podcast i use podbean every week for voices in my head There's easy uploading and publishing tools, stunning templates, custom domains, social and promotional tools, an embeddable podcast player, monetization tools, and more. It is your all-in-one podcasting solution. With Podbean, you can create professional podcasts in minutes without any programming knowledge. Best of all, everything is mobile-ready right from the start. So go to podbean.com slash voices. And when you sign up, use the code VOICES and you'll get a sizable discount. Podbean, for your home podcasting. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace, who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.